right, here we go, black and blonde, the verdicts. The verdict's in, and I'm black. It is in, and I am blonde. Still. Still. Same verdict. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yes, we are. We have made it through the festivities of Thanksgiving. We barely. Barely. It was busy. It was real busy. There's we were, a lot of tradition for as Thanksgiving. As you like to say, we were running about the county. We were running about the county for three days. We did. And now we have some days of rest. We do. We should take them. We should. We hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving um, or whatever. Whatever you choose to do. Whatever you choose to do um, over this gathering, time of gathering and time of giving thanks. We hope our listeners were able to spend a lot of time with um, good people in their lives. It's been a bit of a struggle for you, though. Yeah, I mean, the struggle is real. Yeah, you're sick again. I know. Like, what are we going to do with I you? I don't know, but I'm like... You're I'm, real sick. I know, pod listeners. Like, it's so bad. Can someone bring her some... What's that stuff? Elderberry something? Oh, Ugh. my God. I was sick. I don't even... It took me like two weeks to get over what I had last time, and now... It, I got that booster, and then I thought it was the booster, and then it turned into the whatever this Definitely is. Definitely not the booster. No, it is not. It is real bad. I am going to put you in a bubble, and that's how you're going to live. Am I? All about right. your days. Well, good. There's <laughs> no one in my bubble. Good. You'd probably be happy about I that. I would be happy in that bubble. Speaking of being happy, the Whopper's dropper offer has been identified. The Whopper dropper? The Whopper's dropper offer, 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 offer has been identified. We have made an identification. Well, to be fair, they identified themselves. They did. Thank and you. Thank, luckily for you, because you wouldn't eat any of them until you heard who it was. Well, I mean, I probably would, but I was like nervous, you know, it was. Yeah, you weren't eating Just any. a random item on your doorstep. Although you let Caden oh. have one. Well, you know, and he was still alive and kicking, so. <laughs> you know. But anyways, that was very kind. So we found out that in the last week. Yeah, so thank you again to that very dear friend who mm-hmm. dropped off the Whoppers and just continues to be a good friend. Yeah, that was super sweet. Um, heard from a few listeners also. Haven't we heard from a few new mm-hmm. listeners just giving us some great feedback? We, You know, and it's what I always say. We appreciate the feedback that like says something and we've gotten some good feedback lately or just some uh, questions. I don't know. Just I think it's more like a reflection from a couple of newer listeners. So mm-hmm. thank you for for bringing that stuff to our attention. I a- think anytime absolutely. we hear from people. Absolutely. We do love that. And we do. You're being very um I mean, that's very honest when you say it's great to just hear, like, love the episode. But when people give us feedback around something very specific in an episode or something it's making them think about, um, or even like, hey, I don't always agree, or I'm thinking about this, like, that's totally fine. I mean, we know we're a hot mess. A a disaster, really. I mean. Well, you're kind of a big disaster right now. Just a sniffly one. Okay. okay. Um, But I will say the other thing that when people give this feedback or ask these questions, like it makes me think. Like, mm-hmm. so then that we got a couple questions this week and I was like, huh, like I do wonder about that. Or maybe we didn't talk about that enough or whatever it is. It's just, it's good to hear. It is. And I mean, I think it, it again goes to the deep why of this podcast is, you know, we hope we're modeling something that all of our listeners can do better than whatever, whatever this is we do every week. But um, it, I'm sure a lot of people could do well, better. and you know, Natasha. Speaking of, I've I um, am making steps toward my goal of walking outside are. every day for two months. Um, I've made it all the way through since, like, right before thing or right before Halloween. I said I'm going to walk every day outside until the first of the year, 
And I've done that every day, although I have to do that you today. You got to do it today. It might be to the mailbox. You can do it. You, all you got to do is get outside and walk. That um, is the, the steps. But I've been listening to the Early Risers podcast. For those of you that, um, I know I've mentioned this on the pod you before, have, yep. but I mean, it's the real deal. It is about um, Diane Halsey. Um, I think she's connected with NPR, but she's an early childhood specialist. I mean, she's like a real expert. Okay. And she... Ooh, expert. Yeah. Eek. I mean, she is talking every episode, they're in season two, she's in season two, but every episode she has one guest on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are talking about how do you talk about race and racism with young children. So I find it very interesting, and I'm sharing it in the intro because of our Hot Mess podcast that we do. Um, she would probably be appalled at listening to this. I don't know if she'd be appalled, but she'd probably just be like, Woo. Yeah, maybe you should script and practice a little, but um, yeah, the thing, I, the thing I find I've thought a lot about is as I'm listening... It's all directed toward parents of young children about mm-hmm. how do you have conversations around race and racism. And it's just really interesting because I think the podcast kind of assumes that adults know how to do that, especially white adults, right? Well, and I would say all adults, all but adults yeah. for sure white adults. And I think you can have all these tips and strategies and listen to this, but if you're not comfortable having conversations as a adult with other adults... And then you have to turn around and do it with your children. I mean, I feel like if the Early Risers podcast and the Black Blonde podcast got together, it'd be like this beautiful thing. Because like coalition. Yeah, the coalition. Anyways, so there's just a lot of great things um, that happens within the Early Risers podcast. So I hope that our listeners, um, if you have young children, can check that out. And if you don't have young children and you're in education or in any place where race it's almost like the way you would talk about race and racism to young children is kind of the Probably, same way you would talk say, about it to almost anyone. Right. You could talk about it to an adult. But no matter what, I think most people have some exposure to young children. You're mm-hmm. an aunt, you're a, a godparent, you're a mm-hmm. whatever you are, a caregiver for some th- somebody. So just having some language, being equipped with something, because I think that's what a lot of people do when young children come and they'll come at you with some shit. Like mm-hmm. you're not, you are not ready and they'll ask a question and you've got to be ready or as ready as you can be. And so it's like having, being prepared to have that language just puts you in a much better position than if you're just like sitting around and then, you know. Yes. And as Joey. An, right. And as an adult listener. I <laughs> Joey. Have- Joey Worm. <laughs> I have learned a ton um, from that. So yes, I just you have. really, and a really powerful question that got asked this in one of the episodes was, um, are you stronger than you were a year ago um, around conversations about race and um, something around it, do the small things repeatedly instead of thinking about all the big systemic things. But if you do, if every, if I did the small things repeatedly and you did, and then we started to individually do that collectively and a year from now, where would we be? So I think that's also just so much of what this pod is about, about doing the small things repeatedly. That's good stuff. I think, you know, that's my biggest struggle is the small things. Like I, I always look at the big, I'm always yelling for the big things and there's plenty of small things just sitting around me that could be done or could, I could be involved in. Absolutely. And before we go on to, um, reflection from last week, just want to, a shout out right now to a book I just finished, uh, called we are meant to rise. Um, it is a bunch of BIPOC authors from Minneapolis. Um, if our listeners are familiar with A Good Time for the Truth, oh yeah, good one, which is an awesome book, mm-hmm. um, but it's almost like the um, pandemic post murder of George Floyd version of oh, yes. um, A Good Time for the Truth. It is fabulous. We are meant to rise. It is a book that I just finished that is 
Is it oh, like short essays? Or? It's short essays. Okay. Yep. So tons of different BIPOC artists or art um, authors um, from the Twin Cities area writing about um, social justice during the pandemic and post the murder of George Floyd. It's funny. It's like what I just read, um, Black in the Middle, which mm-hmm. is a bunch of essays about people who live in the Midwest, like being Black in the Midwest. Fa- so, fabulous. But I did want to say what I'm reading. Please you do. What you're reading. Um, I'm reading a book about Baird Rustin. Uh, I think it's called The Lost Prophet. That's, bes- well, it's a fabulous book. That's beside the point. But I was, it brought me back to a different pod episode, The Fuller Story. I am so struck by the fact that Baird Rustin was a civil rights activist and he um, is be- probably best known for his work and the March on Washington. And best known, I don't even know if that's the right mm-hmm. phrase, because I wonder how many people have heard of Bayard Rustin. Right. Um, but anyway, Bayard Rustin was doing um, the testing the bu- segregated buses long before the bus boycott. Um, he, basically, he kind of created the framework for that to happen. Anyway, and I'm like sitting there reading that, just I'm like, I had no idea. I knew who Bayard Rustin was. I just didn't have any idea about like how deep he was into this in the 40s, long before it became a thing in the 60s. And then I immediately thought of the fuller story. And it's just like, if we could just get the, f- we learned so much in schools about Martin Luther King. I have no problem about that. No one told me about Baird Rustin when I was in school. And even if they did or would have, I'm guessing they would have said he was, you know, foundational in the March of Washington. So it's just like, how do we get, how do we get these stories? And then, then we have the, on the other hand, all these people coming in and trying to stop kids from being taught in schools or being taught the fuller story in schools. And that's what's going to happen. It, no one's going to know who Bayard Rustin is. They it, are because they're listening to you and they're going to read The Lost Prophet. Oh, yes. Besides that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I am just, I am struck by sometimes how much the pod and the episodes we've done can show up somewhere in my life later on. Like I'm sitting here reading, I'm like, that's literally the fuller story. Or like, that's the concept. So that's anyway. great. And it when I hear you talk about you know, what he was known for in the 60s, but what his work with, that he was doing in the 40s, then I think about the long game. Ooh, also that. Right? Right. And there's a whole thing with Baird Rustin. Baird Rustin was gay, and being gay in that time period was just unheard of. And so a lot of people speculate that is why he was so swept under the rug. So just another way of like, how are we amplifying the voices of everyone? LGBTQ community, um, Native American community, just how are we amplifying voices when they get lost? Absolutely. Goes back to also the um, one we did about the spoken recorder. You know, small business revolution. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out Spokesbid. Um, yeah. So those books are just, I mean, fabulous books. Black in the Middle, I heard you say. Oh, yeah. We Are Meant to Rise and then The Lost Prophet. Does um, this mean we have to work on the, the I don't book know. list? The, for the resources before the Mayflower. We've had a lot of, we've, we've mentioned a lot we've of We've talked books. about a lot of goodies. We have lately. Um, time to go back into the, um, where to the pond. Oh, what are we going to do there? All right. Come on. (laughs) The reflect reflection from last week. Last week was black lives matter. It was. Mm -hmm. What you been thinking about? (laughs) Reminds me of my uncle Dan. No, when you say that. Yeah. Okay. Side note. Um, I've been thinking about maybe that wasn't our best work that episode. I mean, I think we just both can safely admit it just wasn't. We might need a do over on that one. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But can fully recognize like the importance of the conversation. So even when we have these like messy, messy messes, Mm -hmm. um, I'd always like say, or I always think we're still putting the conversation out there. We're still creating the awareness. I think we might make like one or two good points Mm -hmm. somewhere, but yeah, not, 
Well, I think, right. I mean, my reflection of Black Lives Matter was the things I wish I would have said, especially around the bracelet. I thought about the bracelet a lot this week. Okay. You know, you asked me, you were like, why do you wear it? And I had this whole blabbing thing about <laughs> like, because the kids are in the room with me, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I mean, I just wear it because they do matter, period. Like, period. Right. And so I think sometimes we we, I try to complicate things by, I don't know, a lot of conversation where for me, it's just because they do matter and I don't feel a need to justify, but I think I was feeling like I had to justify it. Yeah. Like I had to explain it. And I think all week I was just like, you don't have to explain shit on here. What? You don't have to explain shit on here. We just start talking. Right. I know. So anyways, I think the same thing, it was not an episode that I think was our finest. And I wonder, though, if it is because it has become such a thing to talk about that even hmm. for us, we haven't, in all the things we've talked about, we just don't say it that much. And I think we maybe we were trying to make it into something where it's just like, no, for us. Like it just is. It just is. You know what? I kind of like that is a good point. I know. Like we tried to do this episode to talk about this thing that we didn't need to talk about. No. It's just a fact. Like, right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Fair. So I, like I don't that. know that I want to do a do-over. No, you're right. I like that reflection. Yeah, Thank we're you. moving on. Moving um, on up to the east side. All right. So today's content, uh, s- title is called The Verdicts. And we got here really, I think, through the drive back from my family's on um, the day before Thanksgiving. Correct. We were sitting, we had Thanksgiving at my um, mom and dad's before mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Yes. And we were driving. And so we had finished eating and my dad. We're sitting there, just you, me, and your mom. Yes. My dad is a news junkie. Yes. I mean, like this man, he's just, I mean, we were laughing because you, my mom told him to turn on MSNBC and he just like knew the number on the, the channels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, he comes like not running, but I would say. A rapid pace. A rapid pace with some degree of excitement. He comes into the kitchen and he says, um, all three men were found guilty. And the three of us looked at each other and we, I mean, we were like, what? And we got up and we all went into the living room and we sat around the TV. Can I say we got up? Like no one talked about it. Let's go look. Let's Uh -uh. go turn on. We all just like collectively got up and exited the kitchen. Right. Went and sat in the living room. I think they had CNN on. And there mm-hmm. we listened. I mean, it just had come out that um, the men who had murdered Ahmad Arbery, all three of those white men were found guilty. Correct. And so we spent, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. 30, 40 minutes, flipping back and forth between the channels, listening to um, the speeches that were happening outside the courthouse. And, um, and it was funny because, like, I looked in the kitchen at one point. All the stuff is sitting on the table. There was no, it was just like, now we were doing this thing. And, you know, there was some conversation and then. We didn't look, here's what I will say. We didn't look around and say like, like I didn't say to to you and your mom, like, hey, I'm going to, can I go check out the new, like no one in the family was questioning what we should do next. Mm-hmm. I just, I find that to be baffling. And I wonder in how many households had that same scenario played out. You had been like, hey, uh, grandpa, I'm going to, I'm going to go into the. The right. living room real quick. Or, or like, you know, not even said anything. Right. And given that it was Wednesday, so people were probably deep in meal prep if you weren't doing, if you were having a gathering or whatever. But like some people might have been at work on Wednesday. Sure. So I fully am aware that the four of us were having something happening that day that many weren't. Anyways, so we had this thing and then, you know, eventually, right, we went back and cleaned up and did whatever. And 
our, on our drive home, you know, you and I just had, again, an authentic conversation about what did we think the impact of that, that result, that verdict it had on so many people. Like what mm-hmm. happened? Where were you when you heard it? What did you do? How did it stop you or not stop you? Did it hit your consciousness and then ping, you know, like bounce off? Did you text somebody? Which was interesting because I said to you, we have really bad cell phone service at my parents. And um, I said, I I have to text somebody when I get home. Well, when I got home, that person had already texted me. And so... I just wonder, like, what what was the impact of that verdict on people, which led us into this conversation? Well, and I think it led us into the conversation about um, we are kind of in this time period where, like, there's a lot in front of us in terms of just everything for real. Um, but, you know, there was the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, not, I mean, not even a week, was it? Yeah. But that verdict came out, Ahmaud Arbery, earlier this summer, uh, and I'm sorry, Ahmaud Arbery was not on trial. Let me just keep yep. saying that. Um Derek Chauvin, the Kim Potter trial is coming up in Minnesota. There's just, it's like we're seeing it more, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder sometimes if people just like don't even, like it doesn't, we're desensitized. I told you earlier today, it's like when Columbine happened, that was it. That was the news for weeks. And now a school shooting can happen and it might get like, what, 30 minutes of news coverage or, you know, it's it's covered somewhere, but we're all kind of, we've moved on to the next Mm -hmm. thing. And I now wonder, like, so many of these trials and so many of these just stories, even if it doesn't go to trial, are coming up that I wonder if we're desensitized to the fact that, like, how many people saw the verdict and continued, you know, mashing their potatoes or whatever they were doing to prepare for, you know, the next upcoming days. And then and then we talked about, well, what do we expect from people? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so how does it impact you or were you even impacted at all? And... Is that privilege if you catch a glimpse of it on Twitter or you see the breaking news come across your screen on your phone or it's the top news story on the nightly news, but then like, do we, is that privilege for you to just kind of see that thing and then move on? And, you know, does it require a conversation or can you see those things, have internal thoughts about it? You know, what, what is, what do we I don't know that we can expect what other people to do, but but what what would we like other people to do or how would we want this to impact other people? Especially, Natasha, we talked about like our pod listeners who've been listening. 56 episodes. 56 episodes. Some people. Some people, right? Yeah, I think like for me, there, you know, we can say all the things about like, oh, it was Thanksgiving, you know, grandma was over, I didn't have time. But like my first question is, did you, did you know? Did you notice, like, you know, when, wherever you were when you saw it, it came up on your phone, you saw it when you watched the news that evening, whatever. Um, Did you know? And, like, did you have a a visceral reaction, not a, like, oh, that's good, or, oh, yep, another day in the life, and keep flipping through the newspaper, but, like, was there a visceral reaction? Did you stop and think about the impact? And I just wonder sometimes how many white people thought, like, to, like, reach out to their black friends. And I know that seems weird because some, I think some black people would say no, but like, I'd be like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I would take it and I'm not trying to like advertise, please text me when these things happen. But I'm just saying like, I wonder how many people have a person, maybe that person's not black, fine, but have a person that would reach out to me like, thank God, or here's what I think or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it was a quick exchange 
you know, it was like all three found guilty praying hands. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be this, right, this big, long, com- complex conversation. But I think the, again, we go so many times on the podcast, Natasha, we talk about acknowledgement. Yes. And so again, I don't expect, you know, let's go around the table, say what we're thankful for. And then, Hey, can we just settle in and talk about the verdict? But somewhere over the course of, I mean, most people have had a long weekend mm-hmm. and it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, who is that, you know, again, one or two, did an opportunity present itself or did you create an opportunity in a social setting for you to bring up? Because I did sitting in your, on Thursday, I was in your family's living room and said something to the person next to me about like, you know, all three men. And that is somebody that I've had conversations in the past with Grace about. It wasn't some random like person in your family I've never talked to about that. But I mean, then again, there was this conversation. It wasn't an hour long. It wasn't whatever. But I think, you know, it's like when that opportunity comes up, do you take advantage of it? Or do you feel like, well, that's not for me to do and I'm not going to do that. And if you're white, then I think again, is thank your privilege that you can just move about the spaces and make all sorts of decisions about, well, it's not my place. I shouldn't do that. Maybe the timing's not right. Maybe that's going to upset somebody. Somebody else came into that conversation and was like, I haven't been paying attention. I can't do that. And I was like, that told me enough, right? Like I didn't right. keep I mean, going with a conversation like, well, yeah, but let's talk about that now. Yeah, let's, like, you don't keep pushing. No. That. But what what I do wonder is, so having that conversation, one, like, let's just normalize those. Con- I'm not saying like every time you sit down to a family meal, you like dive into race conversations, but when something happens and when the opportunity presents itself, normalizing it. And then I hope that person that said, I haven't been paying attention enough, like, does it start to trigger in their mind? Maybe I should be paying attention more or do they pay attention more next time? Because they know, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, does it just help people, other people, your sphere of influence when one person's paying attention? Right. Right. Well, and that person was a person of color. So just knowing the impact that that, you know, that these, sure. I, I don't get to, I get to not be impacted from a trauma standpoint at, at each of these verdicts. Right. So I do think sometimes as a white person, like, am I going to re-traumatize somebody or bring up something to a person? And I think my silence, like I will take the initial, like, question or conversation and then back out of it versus never saying anything and having the spaces be silent. Um, And I think that's such a thing with white people of, I don't want to do something wrong, so I'm not going to do anything. And I think the more you have some conversation, you can kind of, you know, it's a little attesting the waters. Like sometimes the door is fully open and sometimes the door gets closed. And for me as a white person, that's, that's for me to figure out and like not get in my feelings about, or not feel like, well, damn, I tried. And then they didn't want to talk about it. Like that isn't about me. Um, I just know who I am and I'm strong in that. And sometimes it's going to land and other times it isn't. When I do think there is space, depending on who you're with, again, like the people to, to just ask. Like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you. Like, can we talk about this? Or I don't know how you'd say it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have the right words. But like, I think it's okay. And if that person says no, then you're like, all right, cool. Like, you got to respect people's boundaries in the situations that they're in. There are some people of color that I would imagine really do want to talk about it. And some are like, nope, Mm -hmm. not you or not today. Right. Like one of those two things. And none of those things are like, that is what it is. Right. But my other part, or like the other part of that is like aside from people of color, I wonder how many people listened to the verdict or heard the verdict and just was like, 
again, it goes back to, I think you've said before, like you need your, your whitey whites, you need your white people. Um, you know, how many people have people that they can go to, you know, if you're a white person specifically is what I'm, you know, talking to, can, did you have someone that you could say, okay, maybe I can't talk to grandpa Joe about this, or maybe I can't talk to so-and-so, but like, here's my person. And we talk about race and I'm going to reach out to this person and just say, Hey, like, you know, what'd you think? I don't know how many of our listeners have that and what might you do to build that. Right. And I, I believe that sometimes the uncle Joe, who did you say? Grandpa Joe, grandpa, grandpa Joe, Joe. um, becomes the reason to not speak with anyone. Sure. So it's like, well, I'm going to go into my family's or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, and I've been maybe burned in the past, or that's going to get shut down. And so I think that goes to the, that's that 20-60-20, right? Tell, tell me about the 20-60-20. 20 percent of the people generally, that I think there is like some research behind this. Well, ooh, research. <laughs> right. But I think like 20% of the people from an influence standpoint will like think about your jobs, right? If you're in a position of leadership, like and you have a team, 20% of the people will always follow you. There's 60% of you. 60% of people in the middle who are waiting to be influenced. Okay. And then 20% will not, you will not, not influence not today, Satan. No, Grandpa Joe. Grandpa right? Joe. Like you will just not influence Grandpa Joe. Poor Grandpa Joe. Poor, poor Grandpa Joe. Um, and so, you know, 95% of your time should be spent on the 60% and who you can influence. So if what's getting in your way is Grandpa Joe, I mean, again, if Grandpa Joe says something, you shouldn't remain silent if you if you don't hold the same belief. Yep. Inform, educate, and let it go. Like, say something. Don't let that silence be in the space. But, like, don't get in deep. You're in not the, rolling up into the house to talk to Grandpa right. Joe about what he felt about the verdict. Totally. Totally. But who is in that 60%? And sometimes I wonder, even for white people, if we spend a lot of time with the first 20% of, like, well, this is my person and I'm mm, never gonna. St- I'm never gonna step outside that twenty percent to get to like somebody that I think could be influenced. But I'm afraid of doing that, so I'm gonna stay with my one or two white people. Yeah, who- you've got your positive patty. You're rolling with positive patty all day. Right, right. Yeah. Like I know I'm gonna be able to say, you know, no matter what conversation we we're in, I'm gonna be able to talk to that person about race. So her name's Positive I, Patty. Yeah, and I think you know, you and I on the drive home, we're talking about, you know, if our listeners actually did that. Who's in your 20%, who's in your 60% and who's in your other 20%, you know, and like, would that give you some intentional spaces where like to you, you always say this and I appreciate it. Like, do you wait for the opportunity to happen or do you start to create the opportunity? And those are the small things. And so I think, you know, knowing again, that's the pre-action work ahead of time. Pre-action. If I know, okay, I'm going to go into this thing and this person's in my 20%, well, then I shouldn't be scared because they're going to talk to me about it regardless. Right. If I think it's the 60% of my people, well, I'm probably going to look for an opportunity. I know they There's might- some intentionality behind that, mm-hmm. I think, with the 60%, knowing that you can probably enter in the conversation, but, but you're going to be mindful, mindful of your words and, you know, whatever. Um, and then you got the other 20s. Right. I think that, you know, just the thing that kept coming to my mind as we were driving home and having this conversation is the, um, 
how unacceptable silence is, I guess, for, sure. from yeah. white people. And and we were talking about our listeners, like 56 episodes in, like if you are only, if you're saying, well, I listen to the pod every week and I'm reading these books and I'm doing this for me, like those individual things are awesome, but where does individual work become collective work? And mm. if you can never get it outside of yourself, Same then when the does this work become, co- when does it become collective? Well, and I think you're totally right. Like 56 episodes in, we are not expecting anyone to lead a revolution. Like, I don't think we are. But I think, like, I believe that listening to this pod, you should have heard enough messiness. You should have heard enough language and stumbling that you can enter into and should enter into these conversations in some way, shape, or form. It might not be perfect. You've seen our messiness. But, like, there is a 60% somewhere in your life that you can you can roll up into those conversations about race. And yeah. So I think that's what you said about like driving home. Like that's the thing you were thinking about that silence. And I was also thinking about like the there should have been a feeling behind this verdict for you. Like if you listen if you've listened to 56 episodes of this pod and you just like it just rolled past you and you've heard about it and you thought nothing, then it, it makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. That's all. And I think you know, I think a lot about our friend who said in their house, they're role-playing conversations. And yes. if you are living with somebody who doesn't listen to the pod, I mean... I mean, I mean how are you living with that person? I mean... Move out! Um, but, I, but I do think that's an interesting scenario. Well, I think there, I know of some people. Who? I know of some of our listeners who, I mean, one person is listening, but someone else isn't. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. So where do you, um, you know, where do you start to have, you know, that that next conversation? And um, and I also believe there's no statute of limitations of when you can go back. Agreed. Whether you heard something and you didn't interrupt it, or you thought there was an opportunity and you didn't take it. There's always an opportunity. Nothing ever closes with this conversation, right? Like we're not so far away from the verdict of those three men that you can't go back and have and a even conversation. Even if we were, like, what what right. would be wrong in that? Right. You know, I think that's the thing. Often too, is that with conversations around race, we do think that like we missed a moment, right? You know, I didn't go up to Thanksgiving and start talking about it. So now I can't possibly talk to any of those people. That's not true. Right. Like it it is. Or I didn't. Um, I have a, you know, a black friend or a friend of color that I really wish I would have sent a message to and I didn't. Right. So send them a message. It doesn't matter. Like there's, I don't know. There just isn't a statute of limitations on those conversations. Here's something I wish I would have said. You know what I mean? If you need that lead in, use it. If you don't need that lead in, just do it. But I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with being able to say, or even, Hey, I'm really thinking about that conversation we had, or I'm really thinking about, and here's something I wish I would have said. Like you, you can say that. And I think those, the practicing of scenarios, I know that our listeners are, you know, they've said it in the past you know, why don't you two role play? And I'm, I always feel like like the whole episode, that's what we're doing literally. Right. And so I think, you know, if somebody dropped in, um, a conversation that, you know, you didn't some awful thing that you didn't know how to disrupt at the, at the table, you know, I wonder what made you say that, or, you know, did you intend to do harm with that statement or tell me more what you mean about like a simple thing? Tell me more. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. So I think, um, just, starting to 
Um, I would say this episode for me is about individual work starting to be collective, especially for white people um, when it comes to conversations and that you are practicing, that you are role-playing scenarios, that you are doing pre-work with your language, with conversation, with words. Because I do believe one of the worst things that can continue to happen for white people is silence um, that stems from fear and you don't know what you're going to say. And I mean, I... Yeah, I just think silence is. There's nothing worse than silence. A hundred, you know, I believe that a hundred percent. And I and I think I will also say in this instance, right, with the verdict in the the um, murder of Ahmad Arbery, um, there's a certainly a danger of victory blindness. And I don't know if I. What talk- do you mean by that? I don't have I talked about. I it don't the pod? think you have. So I read this book. Um, it's not over yet, um, and it is really about the LGBTQ movement and like in history and. Um, there's like real research about the danger of victory blindness. When good things happen or when the outcome, you know, works the way in our favor, we start to like maybe concede a little or believe like, yep, things are moving in the right direction. So now it's like you have this verdict in the, um, um, the murder of Amada Arbery. And it's like, how easy to be like, yep, we're, the courts are moving. The jury did it. This was a Georgia, uh, you know, jury to start to believe it's getting better. I'm not saying it's not. Right, but the problem is bigger than just this one singular moment, and that's one jury in one case in one state. Like we've got this shit going on all over, so it's just I think to not start to get comfortable with like like victory, like right. the work. It's the long game, so mm-hmm. right, we have to keep going in this long game, and it's really really easy to say, well, this, well, Derek Chauvin, he was found guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Rittenhouse didn't kill any black people, so that's fine. And Ahmaud Arbery's killers are, you know, convicted. So yeah, we're we got this. And and then until the next time, right? And if we still need examples of um, a system and a country in which white bodies are the standard bearer, then we just need to listen to the comment that the lawyer made in um, the, right around Ahmad's. Long legs and dirty toenails. Right. None so, of which were relevant. Right. So again, you know, those are, that's, so for our listeners, that whole like white bodies, standard, black bodies, deviant, the privilege to be able in a, in a trial where the black man was murdered by three armed white men, that there's a reason to talk about his black body, again, perpetuating the deviant um, nature of the black body again, not being the standard um, white body that is, um, so that whole, that, that thing about the body. And so I think you can, you can think about, well, yes, this is an example in which the justice system, and there were 11 white jurors on there, and there were some things but that were... Um, the justice system almost didn't work. It, right. Because the original district attorney was not totally. going to bring this to trial. So let's not forget, totally. the verdict isn't the only thing. Exactly. The depth of understanding in that, and then not moving away very or understanding when a comic gets made about long legs and dirty toenails, what that continues to perpetuate in our country, and that white body being that standard bearer and that black body being deviant. And so do you recognize that? Do you hear that? Do you understand that? And do you understand when people of color say that's that creates trauma to my black body? That's absolutely an example of that. Yeah, no, I, I think there is right. Like the verdict seems so simple, right. Mm -hmm. And we could just take it for what it is and we could move on. And there's so much packed behind it. And part of it is our own individual reaction and our own individual 
like response. And then the other part of it is like the bigger system. Absolutely. So I like this conversation. Yeah, it was a good one. Mm -hmm. It was a good one. There's a lot wrapped up in here. There's a lot, um, you know, and I think there's some, you mentioned the Potter or the Potter, the um, (laughs) trial um, of Kim Kim Potter, Potter, who uh, mistakenly um, used her gun instead of her taser um, to kill um, Dante Wright, which was a yes. um, short period of time after the murder of George Floyd. That's coming up again in Minneapolis. And um, and just think about how traumatizing that is for Black people to continue to watch or mm-hmm. have these trials thrust in their face. That's just another side sidebar. Absolutely. And how much intentionality it requires of me in my white body to... I mean, I could hear those things, but to stop and understand the impact they have, because they don't impact me in the same mm-hmm. way, right? They're news stories, for lack of a better word, for me, and they're impacting, um, you know, black body and creating more harm. So um, lots of convers- lots of time for you to think about how this impacted you. Yep. Um, what did your privilege afford you as these verdicts have come out? Yep. Um, where have you taken steps to... Um, you know, either create opportunity or take opportunity um, and have a conversation that I have no doubt is um, probably less messy than what you and I do. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we set the bar so low, Natasha, for conversations. Can't be any lower. Can't be any lower. It cannot be any lower. Nope. nope. I mean, don't you wish, though, don't you hope like our pod listeners are out there somewhere having like this awesome conversation and being like, we could do a podcast so much better than those two? I mean, put on some headphones. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll let someone borrow them. I mean, bit. we will do that in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. I mean, because we don't have much, but you know what we do have? What? We got deuces. Yeah, the jury's still out on that one.